0: Before we get going with episode 74, a word from our friends at Monmouth Park. Monmouth Park's premier race is the TVG.com Haskell Stakes on Saturday, July 17th. That's this coming Saturday. With a prospective field expected to include Derby runner-up Mandaloon, Preakness runner-up Midnight Bourbon, and Belmont runner-up Hot Rod Charlie, the Haskell is yet again poised to be summer's biggest race. Haskell Day will boast a betting menu fitting of the day with a $400,000 guaranteed pick four ending in the Haskell, a $100,000 guaranteed pick five on the last five races, and a $200,000 estimated pool in the win early pick five, which is races one through five. For more information on ticketing, horses to watch, and much more, go to monmouthpark.com Haskell. Now on to episode 74. What's happening? Welcome to the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In the Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. Today is Monday, July the 12th, 2021. This is episode 74 of the show. However, you listen, thank you for doing so many ways to find the podcast. If you're somebody who just listens to the audio, you've got Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, in the money just to name a few, if you're someone who watches along over on YouTube, and perhaps this week is a decent week because we're going to go over some PPs later on, uh, search bar Matt Burner, your show. You'll get this episode along with the 73 prior. And however you listen, please rate, review, and subscribe. And if you're over on YouTube, make sure the bell icon's lit up. That way you get notified anytime new content is uploaded to the In the Money Media channel. Uh, looking forward to this week's show. A sit down with. Dan Illman from the Daily Racing Forum. We haven't chatted with Ilman for quite some time. Figured we'd kind of do a, call it a mid-season review. Kind of get his opinions on a couple things. The three-year-olds, the older horses, a couple different divisions as well. Uh, and then we will transition into looking at some past performances for Thursday and Friday, from saratoga race course because it's opening week at the spa It is opening week at the delmar thoroughbred club uh on thursday we will be looking at the skylarville and on friday we'll be looking at the forbidden apple i didn't really give the uh uh, quick call much of a look simply because it looks like it's golden pals race to lose and there's some weather in the forecast for opening day on thursday at saratoga so there's a chance that it comes off the turf so we didn't really dive into that but the Skylerville. And the Forbidden Apple. Uh, Let me know your thoughts, your opinions, uh, questions, whatever it may be beneath the video player on YouTube um, or on Twitter. Programming note, I am off to California for a family wedding for the next week. So there will be no podcast next Monday. We'll be off next week. I'll be bringing this thing back. uh, Let's see. That would end up being the 26th of July. That'll be the next show. For this program, so when you don't get anything next week, don't worry. It's all planned. It's all part of the deal. Uh, There will be no show next Monday, but just figured I'd get that out there ahead of time because trying to do it on the road. I'm going to do Horseplayer Happy Hour this Thursday. Try to pop in, do a couple other things. But it becomes very difficult to do the video piece when you're not actually, you know, in some sort of a setup. So no show next week, but we have this show for this week. Catch up with Ilman. Go over a couple of races and get you out of here uh, in hopefully a a decent amount of time. So without further ado, let's talk to Dan Illman from the Daily Racing Forum, get his opinion on the latest and greatest in the world of horse racing. It's been a little while since we have had the pleasure of welcoming in Daily Racing Forum's Dan Illman, a little conversation, chop up some things in the world of racing and anything else that goes on. First things first, Dan, how are you?
1: Doing great. Doing great. Always appreciate talking to you
0: it's uh it's been a little while i think the last time you were on was before the derby and yes. we we don't need to get into uh any of the the baffert talk or any of that kind of stuff it's all been you know well documented at this point but i felt like it was a good opportunity this is opening week for both saratoga and Del Mar. we've got the haskell coming up on saturday maybe to just sort of let's call it a midseason review to to get a, a feel for where things stand and maybe where you and I had thought things would be the last time we spoke compared to where they are now. Um, Let's start with the three-year-olds, just simply because the Haskell is coming up and it looks like it should be a decent race. I guess overall, from the Triple Crown, what were your sort of feelings and your impressions following the big effort in the Belmont from both Essential Quality and Hot Rod Charlie, the big performance from Ron Bauer in the Preakness, and say what you will, but Medina Spirit won the Kentucky Derby, and I thought he won it uh, on the square. So what, what was sort of your takeaway coming out of the Triple Crown?
1: Well, I think going into, the, uh, going into the Derby, I think we thought that, as most people did, that Essential Quality was the best three-year-old coming in. And it took him six weeks. But I think he proved after the Belmont that he's the best three-year-old coming out. And That's no disrespect to Hot Rod Charlie or Mandaloon or Medina Spirit for that uh, matter. But you look at the Derby, and I guess if you had to say of the top four in that race, they had kind of a trip you'd say essential quality was maybe widest and that could have cost him in that race. Uh, Medina Spirit was awful in the Preakness. Uh, Rombauer could not compete with essential quality and Hot Rod Charlie in the Belmont. So I think the two left standing from the Belmont right now are the top three-year-olds in the country and they're going in divergent directions in the short term. We're going to see Hot Rod Charlie looks like in the Haskell and essential quality at Saratoga, the Jim Dandy or the Travers. But I think we've got a nice little crop and perhaps a little rivalry brewing.
0: Yeah. That was the thing for me. That was the big takeaway that now we've had these two horses hook up in the breeders cup. Juvenile as two year olds. We've had them hook up again. Yeah, I guess. I mean, look, they were in third and fourth in the Derby. They ran just fine that day, but then really the showdown at Belmont park. And it hopefully sets up. It'll be, I'm most interested to see what they do with hot rod Charlie, because it sounds like if they do run in the Haskell, I almost wonder if they are going to keep him home and run in a race like the Pacific classic and a race that, It doesn't seem like, and we'll get to the older horses momentarily, it doesn't seem like you've got any true world beaters in there. I like a couple horses, but I don't think there's anything to be terrified of. Or do you go sort of the traditional three-year-old route and send him to Saratoga to run into essential quality and anybody else that may show up in that spot? Um, Do you have any concerns about his, and I've, I've heard some other people bring it up, Maybe about his his ability to pass horses. Um, It seems like they made a concerted effort, both in the Louisiana Derby. I think he kind of found the front by himself by default, but in in the Belmont, and look, that's typically the way it works from a running style standpoint, forwardly placed horses do well. Do you have any concern about his ability to pass horses?
1: I think it's too early to tell, especially with a horse that's shown this amount of class and consistency. This horse just shows up each and every time. And, in the races where he hasn't exactly won, it's not like it's because he's hung or it's shown he can't pass a parked car. Maybe he's gone from fourth to second in some of these races. This is a horse that, again, shows up every time. I can't say right now that I'm afraid that he won't be able to pass another horse. In all likelihood, if he and Essential Quality raced again, he's going to be in front of Essential Quality because that's just the way they run. They have that tactical speed where Essential Quality likes to sit back. Hot Rod Charlie, they should use his speed. That's been his greatest asset in his career. Uh, if he can sit off another horse, which I think he, he can do, they're going to do it. Be aggressive with Hot Rod Charlie. Never take a horse's speed away from him on dirt races in North America.
0: Now, and I, I tend to agree with you, especially going back to that Breeders' Cup Juvenile. I mean, keep in mind, Hot Rod Charlie came from 100 out of it, and he was passing horses left and right. And he just got run down by his central quality. The last move was the winning move that day, it felt like. With Speaking of a horse who there's ability but perhaps there are some some quirks as much as i love him uh, we have to acknowledge that mandaloon is a little bit of a, a little bit of a funny case here and i feel like when he makes the front he kind of feels like his job is done and i don't know what brad cox can do at this point because they have experimented with blinkers on blinkers off that sort of thing um, I don't want to sit here and and totally discredit a horse like Wayburn. I think Weyburn's a nice runner, but he's going to be taking on better horses in the Haskell and theoretically over the course of the rest of the summer. Um, What level of concern is there on the biggest stage against the best horses with a horse like Mandaloon, who has shown that, you know what, sometimes he kind of pulls himself up.
1: I think your analysis is spot on about Mandaloon, the natural ability is right there, where maybe he is only just a hair beneath the top horses of the division in terms of natural ability. From a, of a mental standpoint, I don't think he's put it all together just yet. We saw that in his prep for the Haskell at Monmouth, where he made the lead and he seemed to wait. And I think it brings up an interesting point for the upcoming Haskell. How is the no whip policy going to affect a horse like Mandalone? Is that what maybe kind of made him look a little subpar in his most recent race, where if they had the the natural whip rule, he would have made the lead. They could have kept his mind on his task a little bit and he would have won more comfortably. I don't know, but it's something that's interesting uh, to, to see. This is a horse that uh, you figure with natural maturity, natural improvement, he is going to get better. He's going to have to get better. And it's, it's hard to say that why does he have to get so much better? Because he's already finished ahead of Essential Quality. He's already finished ahead of Hot Rod Charlie. He has it in him. He just, you're right, he hasn't put it all together. Uh, I think he is right now a notch below. He's going to have to really kind of get it together. But look who's training him. He's got a guy that knows exactly what he's doing. This is a horse that I would not be surprised if we don't see his best towards the end of this year. He'll make a very good four-year-old.
0: Speaking of a guy who knows what he's doing with these three-year-olds and any horses really in general, but but Todd Fletcher, uh, let, let's say, look, sort of the beneficiary of the things that are going on out on the West Coast, where some of the good horses that were in Baffert's barn have been transferred over to Todd's care. And and obviously, it's not a matter of you're going from one trainer to another. Is the horse going to sort of take a step back or not? I think it's more a matter of experience with the two big names anyway, I think, that have gone from the West Coast to the East Coast in following C as well as Life is Good. Now, I don't know. It sounds like there's a chance they may be stretching out following C and and I believe that's his name I don't want to be screwing that up but he's unbelievably talented Uh, is there any concern that maybe this is a little bit too much too soon to be stretching him out against the caliber of runners he may take on Saturday if this is the route they choose to go
1: well there's always a concern they have to prove that they can do it but that's where the money is you can always turn back you can always turn back for a race like the Allen Jerkins. You can always turn back to a, a sprint race later in the year. But if you have a talented three-year-old and you perhaps miss the Triple Crown Series for one reason or another, you have got to go where the money is because there's still a lot of money on the table, not only in races like the Haskell or the uh, Travers, but of course the Pennsylvania Derby offers a big purse. And there are also sort of second-level derbies out there as well. Uh, I think you want to try that. I'm not that concerned. You've got to give it a, a try and see where he is. Life is good to me is the sleeper of this entire thing. He can blow this entire division up because we saw in the beginning of this year that this is a horse with a rare amount of talent. It's all about whether this horse can stay sound. And I don't think this is a Baffert thing or a Fletcher thing. It's all a horse thing. Can life is good stay sound? Because if he does and he returns to the level that we saw earlier this year, I mean, we were bemoaning the fact, where are the fast three-year-olds going into the Derby? Well, where were they? Where were the 100-plus buyer horses? This is the 100-plus buyer horse. He missed the triple crown because of injury. This is the horse to keep an eye on. If Todd gets him right, he's scary.
0: You know, he, he's the one that, and and I had somebody kind of sending me some stuff after the Belmont, because I, I included him in that same ballpark of essential quality and Hot Rod Charlie from a figure standpoint. And I had some people kind of push back on that a little bit. And I said, you got to keep in mind, just strictly from a speed figure standpoint, the number that that horse earned in March, right. never mind early June would have put him right there with the essential qualities in the hot rod. Charlie's of the world. And I'm not getting into the distance or any of that kind of stuff, but purely, and I know I'm, I'm speaking to, you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about, but purely from a number standpoint, he is one of the fastest of the generation. And I, I would have to think I'd be surprised if you brought him back at 10, I would think you get some sort of a one-turn race into him, Um, perhaps uh, the Amsterdam, I believe, is six and a half furlongs for the three-year-olds. Maybe that's a stepping stone to get him to a stretch out, whether it is the Travers or the Pennsylvania Derby. But I'm with you. I mean, doesn't he feel kind of like not just the wild card in this division, but you could even take it a step further and say the classic division as a whole?
1: Absolutely, because the classic division now, you could argue, is in disarray if you believe that Silver State is not truly a mile and a quarter horse because Silver State's done everything else correctly thus far, what has he won Six in a row, the Met mile, he's gone two turns. He can do a little bit of everything. A mile and a quarter is a question for him. Mister Guide stubbed his toe the other day. Happy Sabre stubbed his toe the other day. Maxfield is very, very good, but Maxfield, maybe his Achilles heel is a mile and a quarter. We saw on the big cap, although he did move very, very early in that race, that maybe maybe a mile and a quarter is not what he wants. So yes, life is good. It's He's the key perhaps to the second half of this season if he can stay healthy. Uh, Todd will find the right spot. That's what he does. He'll find the right spot for him in the comeback. And the question is, how much are they going to push knowing this horse's injury history? But you're right. I think when you're projecting speed figures, you're supposed to say, hey, this horse ran a 104 buyer speed figure in March with natural improvement. Who knows what's going to happen? A lot of times it doesn't work that way. A lot of times these are just precocious horses. The other ones catch up. I didn't get that feeling with life is good, that we've used this one-dimensional speed ball like a two-year that was winning races with big figures at five prolongs that he wasn't going to go on with it i think this is a horse of quality now has he faced a good horse yet he faced a couple i mean didn't he just humiliate medina spear like every time they ran that horse finished first in the derby i don't know if he's won the derby or not but he's a very
0: very good horse life is good no doubt it's a good way to sort of segue into the older horses because to your point maybe disarray is Maybe a little aggressive, because to your point, it's not as though Mystic Guide was terrible in the Suburban, but it certainly wasn't the performance I expected. I thought he would win and win rather comfortably. Um, happy Saber, I'm willing to give him a mulligan because it was his first try on a wet track, and perhaps he just really didn't like it. But that wasn't the the Happy Saber that we saw win the Jockey Club Gold Cup. And,
1: you know, I didn't
0: love his comeback race, but it was more workmanlike than anything. I think he just needed to shake the rust off. And again, going back to the West Coast with some of the, the changes that have happened, Country Grammar going back to the East Coast now under Todd's care. Royal ship is out there for Richard Mandela. But outside of that, you look at this older division. And to your point, Silver State, maybe he is. Maybe he isn't a mile and an eighth or a mile and a quarter type. Um, Maxfield, maybe he is. Maybe he isn't a mile and a quarter type. Th- to me now, again, after such a massive performance two weeks ago, the wild card to me in the whole thing is Nick's go. And that's the one I'm curious what your sort of opinion is because I thought he was god-awful in the Met Mile and I had heard coming into it about this whole two-turn narrative that he just really was far superior at two compared to one. But in my opinion, you handle him like he's a grade one animal if you think he is a classic type. Well, maybe it is a matter of the two-turn thing versus the one turn. I don't know. But the horse that ran in the Cornhusker He can win any race. Uh, What are your overall thoughts on him right now?
1: Um, Obviously, I'm a little bit more bullish uh, on him than I was six (laughs) weeks ago on Nick's Go. I think you were right. His Met Mile wasn't very good. His race overseas wasn't very good. Um, This is a horse that we're talking Breeders' Cup Classic when we talk Classic Division. And this horse is obviously very talented. And he got the mile and an eighth in the Cornhusker. I don't think he wants any part of a mile and a quarter. I don't care if they run two turns or 10 for a mile and a quarter for him. He has a good amount of speed. Uh, it, it's not like they're going to allow him to walk on the lead in the Breeders' Cup Classic. Uh, listen, there's a reason that they were pointing for the Breeders' Cup dirt mile last year. And he was very, very successful. Uh, and in the Pegasus, you can get a mile and an eighth. I'm not sure he can get a mile and a quarter. He is a brilliant horse but I'm not sure a mile and a quarter is what he wants to do. Uh, getting back to the suburban horses that you mentioned, I think both deserve a mulligan. Happy Savers never seemed like he was handling the track. On the back stretch, he was under a ride. He was climbing. He had a good trip and it didn't work out. I wonder if Mr. Guide really cared for trying to hook up down towards the inside. He looked very, very uncomfortable. He was hopped over to his right lead on the turn. I think that was more a matter of him being placed in tight and not liking it than any kind of physical issue. And it's not like he quit in the stretch. He, he yeah. fought on in the stretch. It just wasn't his day. I think there were a combination of factors worked against him. I still think he might, he's the best one in the country uh, from a mile and a quarter standpoint. The one I'm curious about the most, I think Royal Ship's pretty good. Can Idol get back to health? He's been injured. He's been out. The connections are saying we're working backwards from the Breeders' Cup Classic. Nowadays, we know it can only take one prep to get you into the classic and you're ready to go. And at least it's on his home track out in Del Mar this year. I wonder if he's kind of a horse that everyone's forgotten about, but we know he can get a mile and a quarter and that he's pretty good.
0: Yeah. I mean, you go back and you look at that big cap field. He beat a very, very, I would say solid field, especially if you look at Maxfield and think he's a legitimate, you know, again, distance aside from a talent standpoint, I think everybody agrees that he is one of the more talented older horses that we have. I'm still dubious about that 10th furlong. You know, what what really happens against better horses? That's the thing for me that I keep going back to. It's one thing to do it at nine furlongs against the field he ran against in the Stephen Foster. It'll be another thing to do it against all the older horses and all the three-year-olds coming up going 10. But to your point, Idle, the distance, it feels like longer is better for him. He handled Max Field. He handled, say what you will, I think Express Train's a good little horse. I don't think he's a superstar, but... He's a, he's a 100 kind of buyer type. There's no reason that he can't run fifth or sixth in a race like the Breeders' Cup Classic. Uh, again, if he can just get back and have enough foundation to be ready to go that 10th furlong, you're going to probably get a big price on a horse that you know, uh, based on the Southern California connections and what he's done in the past going a mile and a quarter, he certainly fits. I'm, uh, you know, I don't want to give Max Player short shrift. But at I the same time, say
1: the exact yeah. same thing, the exact same way. So great minds.
0: Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts. I mean, this is a horse. I knew something was up. And I was saying to the folks when we were down there at Belmont, when the race was over, after the show was done, I said, I knew something was different when he was close. Because he's a horse that's going to finish. And he's never close. And I, I'm curious if it was purely a product of the wet track, which he has run well over in the past. Or is this him? Keep in mind, I mean, he's still, is he a four-year-old, five-year-old? I mean, it's not like he is a horse who is totally exposed. I don't know, is he just sort of turned over a new leaf? And I've talked about the example I used in the past about horses who perhaps have just been using the wrong running style all along. I go back to first dude. First dude, when he was on the East Coast, he was always forward, into the race early, and he'd run well, but he couldn't quite get there. And granted, he only had one race with Baffert. But he came from off the pace and it was the best race of his career. So maybe all along he wanted to actually be taken back and make that one run. I mean, his max player always wanted to be more forward in these races. Uh,
1: I, I think it's a combination of several things. I think you have to look at the wet track as something that moved him up a little bit. He does really seem to appreciate it. But I also agree with you. I think this is a horse and we talked about it a little bit with Mandaloon. He's matured now, he's gotten his head into the game, and he can stay closer to the pace. And maybe that's just simply uh, a situation where Asmussen has, has become very aggressive in getting him into the race sooner. But this is a horse that was a little dirtied up coming into Uh, his performance the other day. Uh, He ran some good races as a three-year-old. He was third in the Traverse. He was third in the Belmont. He had some trips in some of his races Uh, in the Pimlico, the, uh, Pimlico Special. That was a day where it was just an inside speed favoring track. And a horse with his style breaking from the post position he was in had absolutely no chance. He was dirtied up in some of his races. He's pretty good and we know he can get the distance, and if this is now his running style, and we now know he can adapt, he can come from further back if possible, he's an interesting horse. Mystic Guide I still think is the leader of the division, but let's actually just just put everything aside. Mystic Guide's accomplishments this year are winning the Razorback. Big Fig wins the Razorback. And winning the Dubai World Cup, which is not exactly the race it was when Cigar was winning the Dubai World Cup. The Dubai World Cup is a watered-down version in 2021. So. What do we exactly do we have in the handicap division? Uh, if, if this is the new max player, sure, he could be a factor.
0: Now, I, and you had mentioned that I brought up a name. The horses that I have put one and two, as far as the older runners are concerned, and just the classic division as a whole, and I may be on a bit of an island here, but I have Royal Ship number one overall, and I have Country Grammar number two. And realistically, I could flip-flop them either way. But my view of them, and I want to know your take, the two races that they ran out at Santa Anita, the Californian and the gold cup to me are the two best races that any older horse has run here in the U S maybe with the exception of that run from mystic guide in the razorback. But again, it was the razorback wet track the whole night. Am I, am I buying too much into just purely the fig? Because when you look at the totality of who they ran against they ran against a eh, kind of company, nothing too spectacular. The two of them were a mile clear of everyone else. Am I, am I being duped into the fig or am I kind of doing what someone I think like Andy Byer would do and look at it and say, they're two of the fastest horses in the division.
1: It's an excellent question. My, my natural inclination when you tell me that your top two are royal ship and country grammar is to say, you know, listen, you just got off the sofa. You've been talking to someone for the last hour about problems, and I feel for you. There's something wrong with you. But then when you make that case, when you make that case, and as Bayer would say, this fig is the, 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 the truth, the light, and the way. And if you look at those races, they are uncommonly fast races. And we haven't given a lot of attention to the West Coast this year, really. And look what happened. Medina Spirit came out and he won the, finished first in the Kentucky Derby as one of the fastest horses in the race on the way in. But I think that, uh, I think the fig is very interesting. Royal ship is, is, is a fascinating horse for me. Country Grammar is another horse by the way that who knew he could be close to the face. Last year when he was with Chad Brown, um, he was a horse that really didn't have his mind on racing. He was a horse that would lag far behind in the early portion of his races. And it would often be too little or too late or just something would happen. He couldn't get there. Now, did just going to Southern California and seeing the horses in the paddock and saying, I can compete with these horses. <laughs> or, or, or is it a case that he's grown up and he's gotten better? I like that you're taking a stand. They have to show it for to me, but I'm not surprised. Country Grammar wants every bit of a mile and a quarter. So does Royal Ship and they're fast. So I can't argue that.
0: It was just one of those, when the Californian fig came back, I said, Holy smokes, I was stunned. That, that was a giant, giant yeah. number for two horses that had never really even sniffed that. And I said, going into the gold cup, it, it, it's basically, if you believe that number, it's a two horse race, nobody else what? can come close to them. And that's exactly how it played out. And I think the thing that at least is making me believe more and we've, you and I've talked about it and I, I've brought it up here a, m- a number of times. I, I, I would strongly urge folks to use more than just one fig. If you find a few sets of figs and try to compare and contrast and look for some discrepancies. And if there's a difference, then you need to go through and kind of make a determination on your own. The thing that has stuck out to me about those two horses and the two races I speak of is both the buyer associates and Craig Mulkowski and Timeform US, they both have them exceptionally fast. I believe Timeform had both of those. Horse is up in the 130 range from the raw numbers. So, uh, you know, it, it does just keep going back. I keep going back to the idea of what you just laid out. Maybe it's too simplistic, but they both want a mile and a quarter. They both can be forward. They're both in Southern California. I'll be very curious to see how Royal Ship runs at Del Mar because he didn't run particularly well there in the native diver last year. But at the same time, I don't feel like that's the same horse that we're talking about now. And Richard Mandela has kind of even alluded to that a little bit. But they both can be forward they've got the figs they can handle the distance and to the point of what we were just speaking of with mystic guide you know i agree with you in the big picture you know push comes to shove he's probably the most likely winner of the older horses but really i mean it's being based on on what a a watered down dubai world cup and a a giant effort at Oaklawn park so I, i think it's just an interesting way to look at it and it does make me think more and more though Maybe this is a year where it's the three-year-olds, if they continue to progress this way, which is why early on, I was so so surprised that so many people were just saying it was a common group. Maybe it will end up shaking out to be a common group, but at this point, with some of the figs that the three-year-olds have earned, I, I, I mean, can you name or remember in recent memory horses that have run this fast at this point in the year for the three-year-olds?
1: Well, I think going into the Belmont, you could say it was a common group other than essential uh, quality. And what has essential quality done wrong? I mean, he lost the Derby right. by length. I mean, other than that, he's shown up every he's time. Perfect, he's almost, races, yeah. Maybe not especially fast races. But after the Belmont, I think the races that the top two finishers ran were exceptional races at a mile and a half in this day and age. I mean, essential quality once again carried all of the ground all the way around the track. And he fought. I think it was nice to see. You know, he had the talent. You know, he had the, it's nice to see the fight. Uh, The same fight that we saw in the bluegrass against a horse that might have been distance challenged. Hot Rod Charlie, talk about dirty work. I mean, he's just battling on the pace all the way around the track and he's fighting. It was an exceptional race. And to say that this is a hungry group of three-year-olds now, I think is folly because you've got a couple of supporting players and you've got a couple of courses that are on the up and up that might be able to, a horse like uh, Life is Good, a couple of the horses that we've seen in New York um won big figures in either allowance races or minor stakes races. So we have the Weyburn, you we have the Mandaloon. Midnight Bourbon is as honest as they come. Maybe he hasn't gotten that big win yet, but there, there are races for him. So this three-year-old crop is very good. The Pacific Classic is a race, I think, it'll be interesting. Mystic Guide's connections have mentioned the Pacific Classic as a possibility for the next star. I'm assuming that's where Royal Ship is going to go. Uh, that's going to be a fascinating race for me. Uh, is, if Royal Shift does go there to see where he stands. Country Grammar, I think, is with Pletcher now. I wouldn't be surprised if he's in New York and he runs in, a, in one of the major races uh, out here, whether it's the Whitney or I think the Woodwards back at Belmont now in the Jockey Club. So these things are heating up. And what I like about it is at least, I mean, we talked about how perhaps Maxfield doesn't want a mile and a quarter and Silver State doesn't want a mile and a quarter. But so a lot of horses do. Yes. And I think that's pretty exciting about it And that a, a lot of times you're worrying about that. Uh, I'm not saying the breed's coming back, Matt. I'm not saying we, we have stamina horses that want to run all day long, but it's nice to know that you've got several horses capable of running fast races at a mile and a quarter.
0: Before I let you go, I, I feel bad that I've basically all this year, I've given the, the three-year-old girls kind of short shrift. I haven't given them much, much of a look. I think it's very top heavy. I think Malathot thought and search results, search results continues to prove me wrong. When I want to take shots against her, she just shows up and runs. Maybe she had the track in her favor at Belmont Park when she won the acorn, but I have to stop trying to beat her. I think I shouldn't say it that way. That's a bad way of phrasing. I have to acknowledge that she is very good. Um, She still doesn't do things the way I'd love her. And I'm sure uh, you feel the same way. Um, mechanically, she does some funny yeah. things, but I, outside of those two, I just, I, I thought say was, was really good the other night, but you're, you're talking about a, a totally different class with those top two. Um, any any thoughts on that division
1: well my a beast and i think if if the the philly that we saw in the kentucky oaks uh comes back and does some big things at saratoga she's going to be real tough um i was very impressed in the, with the crazy beautifuls race in the delaware oaks she'd be absolutely nothing but she did it the way kennyman peak was uh was very pleased. And just considering that she's gone to Gulfstream and she's gone to California and she's gone to Delaware. I mean, she's certainly no Swiss skydiver, but she's at least going the same route and gaining that same sort of experience. A search results, very, very good. The key to the division for me is obligatory. Can obligatory stretch out in distance? I have my doubts. I kind of think what we saw in the eight bells and the acorn is what she is. She's a late running one-turn horse, and she's a very good one. If she can stretch out, though, successfully, she is a Philly that interests me a little bit because she's shown an explosive turn of foot. And again, in the eight bells, what a perfect setup. It doesn't get any better than that from a from a setup standpoint. But I think she can run a little bit. She's got a lot of upside.
0: And the uh, I would say the is it fair to say the most talented horse right now and the perhaps even the leader in the clubhouse as far as horse of the year is concerned is domestic spending?
1: Domestic spending. Wow. I mean, you know, we're talking turf horses uh, as the leader in the clubhouse. I wouldn't say the clear leader. I'd say he's in the conversation
0: to be sure. Um, Let me rephrase it. Where where do you think if we're just comparing him to a horse like bricks and mortar, how, how close is he? Is there a chasm still knowing that bricks and mortar accomplished much more, but you know, in theory, we still have the next five months ahead of us or four months ahead of us for this horse. I mean, how close do you think they are, or do you think they're not oh, close no. at all?
1: Oh, no, I think from a talent standpoint, he's right there. I mean, his race in the Turf Classic was a remarkable race to just a dead heat, uh, considering the trips. I mean, Colonel Liam had a perfect trip in that race, and everything went wrong for domestic spending, and he kicks like a mule. And we saw uh, at Belmont Park what I think is the real domestic spending, and distance is what he wants. He, he's a very, very good horse. It's not the Arlington Million anymore, I think. It's so, yeah, but he's it's going to Roy Kicker. It's the Mr. Well. How can you call it the Arlington million when the purse is 600,000?
0: But <laughs> I Har- the Arlington 600k. The,
1: you can call it the Arlington 600Gs. You call it the sir. <laughs> you call it the Mr. D. Maybe he doesn't have the same cachet as the Arlington million, but that's where he's going and I think you keep him at a mile and a quarter and beyond uh he's going to be uh very good but i can't say that i would vote for him right now as the leader for horse of the year over a horse like essential quality or even a a, a mystic guide uh, a horse that you know won the uh you know when he won won the dubai world cup and he's done some very very good things I, i i can't say that just yet but he's he's an exciting horse to keep an eye on in the fall i mean it's nice to have an exciting turf horse around
0: Certainly is uh, Dan Elman from the Daily Racing Forum. It's Saratoga opening week. Uh, all of your videos are over on the Daily Racing Forum's YouTube channel. Um, are Spa Babies back?
1: Spa Babies back for another year. Nicole Russo and I are going to take a look at a two year old race. Every day that they card one, we'll start things off with the Schuylerville on opening day. We've got the Sanford on Saturday. We've got a nice maiden race on Friday. So tune in. We'll give you as much information as possible. on most of these horses, they're unraced. We'll tell you about their workouts, their auction history, and of course, their pedigree.
0: And as always, check out uh, the race previews from Illman and Beer and the uh, pace cast from yeah. Craig Mulkowski and David Aragona and many other things over on the Racing Forms YouTube channel. Uh, concern, how concerned are we about Yankee baseball?
1: Well, I'm not concerned because I, I would have you to say that the, one, the one thing I was right about on both <laughs> of my prior appearances here is that I said they're not very good. Yes, you
0: were they right about They have not this.
1: proven to be very good. The loss the day before the All-Star break, embarrassing to say that. I mean, listen, you want someone embarrassing? embarrassing? Embarrassing. Uh, again, when you don't have a left-handed bat, it's a problem. Uh, when you don't have starting pitching, It's a problem when you make base running gaps that little leaguers wouldn't make. It's a problem when you can't field. It's a problem. So, and and with all that, they're eight out of it. But you have to be very pleased with the Boston Red Sox. Xander Bogarts is some unbelievable player. Uh, JD is solid as, as they come. And you've got a team that can hit and your pitching has been better
0: than I think anyone thought. And they're not loathsome. You know, they're, they're they're finally, you know, for after a two year stretch of really being disliked, yeah, you know, I mean, other
1: than other than having the cheating manager, I mean, you 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 you're not loathsome at all.
0: Well, you know who the actual like the the whipping boy is is is, is Garrett Richards. Ah, uh, no, no one's a fan of Garrett Richards. No, no, because he he complains a lot, and you know he does. He just sounds like a
1: lot of people we know in the horse race. Yeah, of
0: course. <laughs> well, I mean, come on now, you know this. Uh, <laughs> uh, Dan Elman, thank you as always uh, for, <laughs> for coming aboard, and uh, maybe we check in again. I don't know timing wise. Toward the end of Saratoga, something like that, kind of check on things.
1: Works for me, you know my schedule. Always open.
0: All right, buddy. <laughs> Be well. Bye <Bye-bye>. bye. <laughs> Opening day at Saratoga on Thursday. I'm not even going to bother going over the turf race. The quick call because if it stays on, there it looks like there's a little bit of weather in the forecast. But if it stays on, Golden Pal would need to Golden Pal would need to regress substantially and have one of these other horses jump up in a pretty pretty major way for him to lose so and i'm not even gonna bother getting into the off the turf stuff so the quick call it is what it is i think it's golden pals race to lose not breaking any news there we'll start with the schuylerville though and we'll go over both thursday and friday those stakes races uh the grade three schuylerville for the two-year-old fillies going six furlongs on the main track i think there's plenty of speed in this race um i've gone through and assigned what i would consider fair odds so if you were trying to you know I think not enough people go through and and determine what they believe, not just fair, but realistic numbers are on the likelihood of certain horses winning certain races. Um, You know, the the horse to beat in this race is Wesley Wardsville, the happy soul. I think many people will look at it and say, from a speed figure standpoint, she's a standout. Um, From a looks standpoint, she's a standout. I don't disagree with that, but I'm also not going to sit here and say she's going to win this race 75% of the time because that's not being realistic. It's just not. And she has a massive figure advantage on this field, but in all likelihood she's going to have to deal with other speed early on, drawn to her inside. Uh, And she's going to need to go out to six furlongs for the first time, run at Saratoga for the first time. And by my estimation, while I think Lemieux, the filly that she ran against in the second race is okay, uh, she's going to need to Probably run against the best field she's ever faced. So to me, five to two is fair on Happy Soul. I won't be surprised if she does win. Um, she should be the favorite in here. She's paired up career buyer tops of 81. Uh, I, I've brought that up in the past that I think that can precede a forward move. If she jumps up into a mid to high 80 or even a low 90, yeah, I mean she's probably gonna win. But I wouldn't take anything short of, of five to two on her from a win standpoint. So I, I probably would side away from uh, her making her a public pick. Because, you know, for me, it's more a matter of are you getting your money into the right spots as opposed to necessarily just coming out on top saying, oh, I had the winner. I had the winner. Well, does that really do people a great deal of good? I don't know. That's debatable. Another story for another day. Down on the inside, I think the inside two runners are both quite talented and have quite a bit of upside. Pretty birdie and mainstay. Pretty birdie goes out for Norm Cassie. I thought the debut, she was really professional. uh, Broke right on top. Went to the front never looked back you have had two next out winners come out of that race the fourth and sixth place finishers they both came back to earn buyers of 69 and 48 and you take a look and see how far ahead of the fourth place finisher pretty birdie was uh just ballparking at about six lengths you know that that projects quite well now she's down on the inside she's going to have to be aggressively ridden again i think Um, but that'll be one of the interesting pieces of this race to see the way that it plays out do her and happy soul get into a prolonged duel what's mainstay's deal going to be because she's another one that as fast as she was in that run at monmouth based on time form us the the pace figures in that race were quite slow and that came on a sloppy sealed track but if you expect her to be forwardly placed as well now you get a bit of a scrum And maybe that helps set things up for horses who are going to be in that sort of second flight. Uh, I thought Mainstay couldn't have looked much better breaking her maiden on debut. She was bet down to six to five. The fourth, sixth, seventh, and eighth place finishers have come back to earn buyers of 54, 34, 25, and 35. Um, I think a fair price on either of these two fillies would be six to one. Maybe, I'm sure some people would disagree. And let me know beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter, at Bernie or underscore Matt, what you would deem fair odds on the win end six to one odds translates to about 14% probability of winning this Skylerville. I think the inside two runners are both live a pipeline girl, one of two in here for Tom Amos. I made her 13 to one. Um, she was a little bit slow out of the gate. She was in amongst runners, eventually found a seam finished quite well. Um, numbers wise, a little bit on the slow side, but you can say the same thing about uh, many of these girls. She has one at six furlongs, which I think is a feather in her cap. You pick up Jose Ortiz. Uh, There were just others in here that I thought maybe offered a little bit more intrigue. Won't be surprised if she runs well. Uh, But 13 to 1 for me, that's what I would deem fair odds on the win in, about 7% chance. Velvet sister, Steve Asmussen, one of two in here for him. Uh, she won by a million in a race that featured three fillies, all told. But I thought she did it really well. Another horse who was forwardly placed. I don't think she's got the kind of gas that plays with Happy Soul or uh, Pretty Birdie or any of these other horses down on the inside. I think I think she's going to need to probably come from off of it. But the way that she won and the pedigree would suggest that perhaps she has every opportunity to sit just off, maybe get first run on the horses who are more or less void of early foot. Um, And maybe she can kind of take advantage of that positioning. I think she makes sense in here. I made her nine to one that translates to about 10% chance of winning. And again, this is just my estimation. You may agree or disagree. The only way you'll know how accurate your estimations are is by tracking them. Uh, Saucy lady T she's the one that I, I just have a really, or one of the horses. I have a hard time imagining getting it done. She will be coming from well off the pace, the horse that the horses that she beat in the debut, or excuse me, in the maiden score, Keep in mind, she only beat three Phillies. They have come back to earn buyers of 37, 36, and 12. I just think she's going to be taking on a horse of a different color in here. I made her 49 to 1. That's a 2% chance of winning. Uh, And again, 49 to 1 if you just want a round of 50. And you can do that with many of these numbers, including the six Queen Camilla. Now, I actually think she's mildly intriguing here. I want to see her stretch out in distance. She was a hair late to change the leads when she broke her maiden most recently. There was a I know the pace figs don't look all that fast, but there, there was a bit of a duel up on the front end. There was a two-to-five shot in there who ended up finishing last. But I, I like the way the Queen Camilla moved. You know, if this thing comes apart at the end, maybe she can get up and uh, grab a piece. She does need to improve from a speed figure standpoint, but I wouldn't be surprised if she does come with a run. More importantly, I think longer is going to be better for her. 7 one-turn mile, eventually out to two turns. Um, maybe this is a little bit too much too soon, but I do understand why not take a shot. And if this pace does heat up, I think she'll come with a run. I made her 24 to one. That's a 4% chance of winning. Already talked about happy soul. I made her five to two. That's about a 27% chance of winning. She is the most likely winner in my estimation. uh, And I'm sure some people would be more bullish on her chances. The eight Eagle express, the other Asmussen in here made her 24 to one. Thought she was really impressive with the way that she won that stakes race at Lone Star. Most recently that also happened to be her, first career victory i didn't think she beat a good field the runner-up who she defeated by five came back to earn a 16 buyer the fourth and fifth place finishers earned buyers of 22 and 33 in their next start um you typically do see an improvement from start one to start two uh debatable if you see an improvement from two to three uh but each each horse is you know kind of a unique circumstance i wouldn't be surprised if she ran well again but at the same time I just think she's taking on much better horses this time around, and there are other horses who I think offer a little bit more intrigue as far as upside is concerned, about a 4% chance based on my odds at 24 to 1, and that brings us to the outside horse, and she's the one that I'm most intrigued with, and if I needed to make an air quotes pick, I would go with the number nine cartel queen, the other Tom Amos in here. She's taking money in each of her first two starts. She picks up Errat Ortiz Jr. here for her New York debut. She's run at Keeneland and Churchill Downs. She's run well in both starts. Granted, she didn't win the career debut, but I'm not going to hold that against her. She was bet down to four to five, though. She comes back at Churchill going five-eighths. And I thought, really, all things considered, I like what she overcame. Now, when you go back and watch the tape, you'll note that she was down on the inside, I thought she responded well to the stick when she felt it just inside the half mile pole, but then she ran up on heels. She's in a bit of a box, tight spot, not the most comfortable position to be in, or even for experienced horses, let alone a second time starting two-year-old Philly. But then she eventually was able to extricate herself. And I thought she finished really well. She got the final eighth and 12 and two, a shade under 12 and two. The blinkers go on. This is not a move that Tom Amos has made over the past five years based on drs formulator product um but i do understand the logic because she's a little bit green i think this will sharpen her up some she could have been closer to the pace uh she wasn't the the most brilliant out of the gate by any stretch but i like that she's coming into it granted you know that 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 gap between june 12th and june 30th Eh, not ideal but i like that she does have back to back bullets in her back pocket including the half mile bullet up at saratoga in the mud and i just like that she is shown that she can overcome some adversity and still be able to prevail it's also worth noting the 6th and 7th place finishers from that maiden race at churchill on may 20th they came back to earn buyers of 58 and 52 it's worth noting the 58 came on grass for the 6th place finisher the reason i bring up those figs though those figs are the same number that Cartel Queen earned in victory, a 58. If she can jump up in that 15 to 20-point range, she's in with a chance. Now, she, she needs to improve. There's there's no denying that. But I, I think she's going to at least offer a price that is appealing enough with the presence of some of the other more fancied runners in here. Um, I haven't seen a morning line. And actually, we can look this up very quickly, I think. Let's try to get into... Uh, Equibase, if I can do this on the fly over here, because I'll be very curious to see the difference between the morning line odds and my value line. I gave her an 18% chance, which equates to about nine to two odds. Um, I think it's just an interesting... I don't want to say position to be in, but I think you do need to at least. I think, especially when you have a morning line that is as good and accurate as David Aragon is typically, is um, I think it's worth at least comparing and contrasting what your opinion is to what the likely odds are somewhere thereabout will be on day of race. So, as I pull up the morning line odds from the Naira morning line maker, David Aragona. Uh, here we are. As I stall, stall, stall. Uh, cartel queen is 12 to one on the morning line. So I clearly, and, and keep in mind a morning line is what the morning line makers opinion of where the money is going to go is not necessarily reflective of their opinion of the race. Um, so if that plays out that way, I will be thrilled. I will be very, very pleased because I'll have a, let's just say she goes off at 12 to one. That's roughly somewhere in the seven or 8% range as far as uh, probability is concerned compared to my 18%. That's a tremendous overlay. And it would be a horse that I would be very, very happy to bet at odds of nine to two or better. So if I needed to make a pick and hopefully a bet uh, the number nine cartel queen, I, I think she's interesting in this year, Skylerville. acknowledging At the seven, Happy Soul is the horse to beat. I made her five to two. She's eight to five on the morning line. The inside two runners are seven to two on the morning line. I made them each six to one. Now let's move over to Friday afternoon. Weather looks a little bit better. The grade three Forbidden Apple is going to be the featured event. And I think it's, well, I think it's just an interesting race all around because you have got some horses in here who maybe they're a little bit more sizzle than steak. And I think you've got some horses who may be a little bit under the radar. Uh, Speed-wise, it looks like there's a decent amount. But again, it's New York, and you always there's no guarantee that you're going to get the pace that you think you're going to get in turf routes in New York. So that's a bit of a concern if you like anyone coming from off the pace a little bit. Rinaldi is not going to be one of those. He's going to be forward. That's his game. He goes. He loves Saratoga. This will be his second start as a five-year-old. I you know, don't love that, but at the same time, he is rock solid. He's run well here at the, in the past. I just, I do wonder if he's quite as good as a therapist or a Delaware, some of the horses that he's run into in the past. And there's even cases to be made that those two horses aren't in the, the absolute top flight. I made Rinaldi 19 to 1. That's about a 5% chance of victory. Number two is Corelli for Jonathan Thomas. This is a horse that was highly thought of. He was 6 to 1 in the grade 1 United Nations last year. You'll note, for those of you watching along on YouTube, I've circled all of his races and the distances that he's been run at. Keep in mind, this race is at a mile. The only time he has gone relatively short is his career debut going a mile and 70, and then in the Henry Clark from Pimlico at a mile and 16th. He happened to win that race two starts back. Pixelate came back and won a stakes race in his next start. So the form of the Henry Clark has held up. I just didn't love the Monmouth. Now, granted, maybe it was at a mile and an eighth. And after all these years, maybe he's actually wanted to go a middle distance as opposed to going longer. I just, I'm not thrilled with this horse. I I don't totally believe in him. I think he's good, but I don't think he's a superstar. And I think he's going to get bet more than maybe his actual chances of victory would suggest. I made him 19 to one, and I'm sure some people will roll their eyes. Um, But I just, I don't love this horse. And I feel like he could potentially, if you're someone like myself, I think he could potentially just inflate other horses who have better chances of victory, inflate their odds some, and it's something that we could possibly take advantage of. Number three, value proposition. In many ways, I think this is his race to lose. I made him three to one, uh, roughly 25% chance of victory. He handled Therapist in the most recent start. He handled analyze it. The sixth place finisher came back and earned a 91 in their next start. He was much the best in that race. Um, The the, the mile and a quarter, the length and a quarter margin of victory is not indicative of how good he was. I think he was three to four lengths the best there that day. The the elusive quality, just a miserable trip. He was loaded, couldn't get out until it was too late. I think he was best that day. Casa Creed came back to then win a grade one in the Jiper. Value proposition, he is squarely the horse to beat. I don't think you're going to get three to one on him. But to me, that is a fair chance on him simply because he has been known to find some, find some issues in the past. Um, I do think though, if he runs his race and he gets some sort of a decent trip, I think he is the most likely winner. I made him three to one again, roughly 25% chance of victory therapist. I made him nine to one, 10% chance. Think a, he's probably best against New York breads uh, and B. The distance, yes, he's he's four for seven at it. I think at this point in his career, he might be better going the one-turn configuration compared to the two. That's uh, debatable, uh, you know, depending on who you ask. But um, therapist, nice horse, likable, goes out for the Clement Barn. Uh, won't be surprised if he runs well, but I just don't think he's a necessarily a likely winner of this race. Number five, made you look maybe at another time in his career, I would think highly of him. Uh, we haven't seen him since the beginning of November. I think it's a long layoff. I think Phil Bauer does a good job. That most recent start, look, he earned a big fig, uh, depending on which ones you want to use. He ran against some decent horses. I Just off the layoff, I think he's one of the outsiders in here. Made him 49 to 1. That's a 2% chance of victory. Same goes for Flying Scotsman for Jack Sisterson. You always need to respect Jack Sisterson Barn, but this is a horse who does his best running when he's forward. I don't love the dinner party, the race that he exits most recently. And I'm not sure that he's going to be able to wire the field. Even if he does get out there and set the pace, I think he's going to go too fast and set it up for somebody from off of it. 49 to one, my estimation of his chances of victory. The seven Delaware is a horse I've never loved for Chad Brown. Um, But I think there's reason to like him in here. Jose takes the mount here from Manny Franco. The seek again, most recently at Belmont. There's no pace whatsoever. It was a merry-go-round. The top three were one, two, three the entire way. I thought Delaware actually ran really well to finish the way that he did. He came home in 22 flat. This is on the heels of a stakes victory at Aqueduct. Two starts back, going the two-turn, one-mile configuration that we're going to go here again. He defeated Rinaldi that day. He packs a wicked kick. I don't totally trust him. I'd be lying if I said I thought he was just some slam dunk in here. But I think there's reason to believe he's going to get a better setup this time around than he did in the Seek again and yes, the numbers may not be great for the horses exiting the seek again. The winner earned a 93, the third place finisher an 88. But again, when you take into context the way the race was run, I think perhaps they they had the best of it, while Delaware had the worst of it. And for Delaware to run the way that he did, I think that speaks volumes to where he fits in this race. I made him five to one. That's a 17% chance of victory, um, and in all likelihood. He would be my pick in here and perhaps the bet again, assuming we get somewhere in that five to one range uh, from an odd standpoint for a horse who uh, I've said it before, I, I've never totally loved him. I, I do quite like this horse, the number eight sanctuary city. I made him nine to one, 10% chance, you know, debatable if he's better against New York breads compared to open company. Uh, but you take a look, he's getting legit class relief. He finished fourth behind, behind Alexandra, uh, raging bull in front run the fed any of those horses in this race uh two of them are going to be the favorite front run the fed it may very well be the favorite would had he run in this spot um he had a big pace and this is a horse who does his best with a big pace i don't know that you're going to get that here but if you're looking for a bomb i don't think sanctuary city is totally out of the realm of possibility i also don't think the number well i'll get to him in a minute Uh, The number nine, Sacred Life, I'm kind of sick of his act. He could win here, certainly. Um, I feel like when he is under the radar, he's at his best. So in a race like this, (laughs) where he's likely to get overlooked, um, this may be an opportunity to take advantage. I think he's at his worst when he's a short price, because you can't trust him. He could certainly win this race. I won't be surprised if he does put it all together. I've liked him in some races in the past. I made him eight to one. 12% chance I just all I'm saying is don't take anything too short on him because I don't trust him the horse I do think is interesting at a price though is logical myth for Joe Sharp eight to one roughly 12% chance of victory uh he was the only part of the pace around late in that stakes race at Pimlico most recently it was listed as good turf I mean that stretch run they they were all really feeling the effects of it and pixelate's a pretty decent runner uh, you look at the runs two and three starts back, set piece, Colonel Liam. He's running against some really nice horses. Fig-wise, he may not be of the cream of the crop. But having said that, go back to this buddy Dilberto memorial. I mean, it's a 127 time form US rating that he's got. I don't think this horse is totally out of the realm of possibility. Thought long and hard about, you know, the air quote pick, but when push came to shove, I just couldn't quite put him on top. So I think he's really intriguing maybe for playing in a contest. Uh, I think logical myth is one to consider. He's going to have a a decent position. I would think tactically as well, but I'm going to give him another look. I'm going to go to Delaware. And again, another, another horse. I don't totally trust, but he may get lost in the shuffle a little bit here. And I thought he had the worst of it in the seek again, given the way the race was run. Just, just needs an honest pace getting out to the two turns. I think will be beneficial. I think you get an effort more similar to the, run two back at aqueduct than you do in the most recent start at belmont park so the seven delaware at odds of five to one or better i think is worth a look so there you have it the look of a couple of stakes races a few stakes races anyway from the first two days at saratoga race course this year so excited to get back up to the spa let me know your thoughts about these two races beneath the video player on youtube or on twitter at bernier underscore matt There you have it. Some ideas, some opinions for a couple of stakes races from Saratoga on the opening Thursday and Friday of the meeting. Let me know your thoughts beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie underscore Matt. And however you listen to this thing, thank you for doing so. You can listen to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and The Money Podcast. Dot com. You can listen over on YouTube and watch along. search bar, Matt Burner, your show. You get this episode along with the 73 prior. Again, a reminder, there will be no show next week. I will be on the West Coast. We will come back in two weeks' time with the next episode. That will be on July the 26th. Until then, over this next stretch, don't forget Horseplayer Happy Hour coming up on Thursday this week. Saratoga Race, of course, looking forward to that with PTF. Uh, and until the next show, which will be two weeks from now, Best of luck however you play, whatever you play, and wherever you play. This has been episode 74 of the Matt Bernier Show.